are starting a new teaching focus this morning. Um, I am very excited. The teaching focus is going to be on the feasts of Israel. Is no one excited about the feasts of Israel? Yeah, I should have said, please pass this morning. Guys, I'm telling you, if you have version, pull it out on your phone, as I am exploring with that every week. It's getting better and better. So, how many of you are familiar with the, the concept of the peace, the peace of Israel, like the Passover, Hanukkah, Feast of Tabernacles, Unleavened Bread, Pentecost, things like that? So, I had some experience with Pentecost. Growing up in an assembly <coughs> church, right? Uh, some good, some in the other category. But uh, all of it was something that contributed to my understanding of what Pentecost was. From my understanding, Pentecost was the day that the Holy Spirit fell on the believers who were in the upper room. And they all spoke in tongues. And that's about the extent of it. Passover, I had heard about from this movie called The Prince of Egypt, a little Disney movie, joins my kids. So I knew a little bit about Passover from that, and I knew that uh, Jewish people celebrated Passover. Because I remember whenever I was in high school, they did like a sample Seder. And, and they taught us about the herbs and, and a little bit like that. And so that was about the extent of my understanding of the feasts. So why focus on them? I mean, if, if throughout our lives, if that's not something that seems to be coming up over and over again, why would we focus on the feast? Why is that something that we would talk about? Because we're all hungry. There you go. Hey, let's talk about buffets then. I mean, it's not worried about feasts. Let's talk about endless buffets. For the word, I mean, for the word. This, there you go. The seventh. This week um, starts a teaching focus of the seven feasts. Now, the seven feasts commanded by God for his people to carry out. They not only reminded the children of Israel of God's deliverance, okay, they're also a picture of his relationship with mankind. The feasts are. And they're also a foreshadowing of the end times. So we're going to dive deep into how God has laid out a roadmap for us from the beginning of how he looks at man, how he looks at Israel, and how he looks at the entire timeline of mankind. We're going to look at all of those. You think, how did the feast come on? It's there, I'm telling you. So what you see is that uh, there are three different feasts that Jews are commanded to go back to Jerusalem for. Okay? The first feast is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And then you have, Sean, will you bring up the, uh, the list of these? Warm up. So there's the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The ones that are uh, underlined are the ones that they have to go back we can see during these seven feasts, these are the seven feasts, Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of First Fruits, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. These are the seven feasts that God commanded Israel to celebrate. Three of them, he commanded them, no matter where you are in the world, go back to Jerusalem to celebrate these feasts. Okay? The first one was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We can see in 2013, that would have been celebrated in March, March 28th through April 3rd. The Feast of Weeks, which is Pentecost. Would have been celebrated May 15th. Penta means 50. Pentecost. 
And then the last one that they would have had to journey back to, which 50, there was 50 days in between that and first fruits and the Feast of Weeks. And then the Feast of Tabernacles was another one, and that one would have happened in September, September 21st to 28th. All three of those they would have to journey back to Jerusalem. So naturally, we are going to break down the segments of these messages into three different categories. We're going to do the first three, okay, which is, the, which is Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the Feast of First Fruits. That's going to be the teaching focus this week. Next week, we're going to focus on just Pentecost. And then the last, or the, the third week, we're going to focus on uh, the Feast of Tabernacles. This is the spring feast. This is the late spring feast. And then this would be the fall feast. Go to the next slide, Sean. You can see them broken up like this. Spring holidays, fall holidays, Pentecost there, 50 days in between first fruits and Pentecost. Okay, and all this is on uh, the notes on uh, version. if you're looking there as well. So first, let's go back and see where this all began. Let's go back and see, get the background, hear what the Bible has to say about these feasts from the very beginning. So turn with me to Exodus 12. And we'll put it up on the screen for y'all. So this is the story here of the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We're going to start reading in verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Yahweh said to Moshe and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you your first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there, there are. You are determined the amount of lamb needed in accordance with, each, with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect. That's important right there, without defect. And you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or cooked in water, but roasted over the fire, head, legs, and inner parts. Do not leave any of it until morning. If some of it is left until morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it. With your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. This is the Lord's Passover. On that same night I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for your house, for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day you are to commemorate for the generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. For seven days you are to eat bread made without yeast. On the first day, remove the yeast from your houses. For whoever eats anything with yeast in it from the first day through the seventh must be cut off from Israel. On the first day, hold a sacred assembly. Another word for yeast is leaven. And another one on the seventh day. Do no work at all on these days, except to prepare food for everyone to eat. That is all you may do. Celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread, because it was on this very day that I brought your divisions out of Egypt. Celebrate this day as a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. In the first month, you are to eat bread made without yeast, from the evening of the 14th day until the evening of the 21st day. 
For seven days no yeast is to be found in your houses. And whoever eats anything with yeast in it must be cut off from the community of Israel. Whether he is an alien or native-born, eat nothing made with yeast. Wherever you live, you must eat unleavened bread. Two more verses. Three. Then Moses summoned all the, the elders of Israel and said to them, Go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it into the blood in the basin, and put some of the blood on the top and both sides of your doorframe. Not one of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and sides of the doorframe and will pass over that doorway. And he will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. So that was a lot. Let's go back. So we have a specific date on their calendar that Passover is supposed to be performed. We have a specific date that unleavened bread is supposed to be celebrated. Uh, correct? Yes. Okay. So the unleavened bread is happening for a week. Passover happens right before the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Okay? And then you've got unleavened bread happening, and the Feast of First Fruits happens three days after unleavened bread. Okay? This is important. All these matter. All right? So, in Egypt, let's talk about how it went down for the Israelites. Let's, let's make sure we have that foundation. So, we have the Israelites. There was approximately one and a half to two million Israelites in Egypt, and they were all slaves. Okay? God sent Moses, their deliverer, to bring them out of Egypt, across the Red Sea, to be free. Alright? Now, the first thing that they had to do was to take a lamb, a spotless lamb, without defect. Kill that lamb, take the blood of that lamb, put it on their door frames, on the top and on the sides. Right? Then the destroyer came and killed all the firstborn if there was no blood on the door frames. The blood from the lamb was what saved them. Don't jump ahead of me here. So we've got, after that, they had to cook bread without leaven, without yeast. Why? Because they were in a hurry to leave. God was delivering them out of Egypt, and they couldn't be waiting around for the yeast to work its way through the dough, rise, and take the time for the bread to be made. They had to cook it without yeast, without leaven, so that it was ready to go, fast. That was supposed to be celebrated by them as a lasting ordinance. Now, after this, during their, saint, during their calendar, after this, they were told in Leviticus 23 to celebrate the Feast of Firstfruits during that time. What they would do with the Feast of Firstfruits is, just like a farmer, when the harvest time comes, that's the time to be listed for. How many have farmers in their family? I have a background in farming, okay? So you know harvest time is the best time, right? Yep. Yeah, you got fresh fruits, fresh vegetables, everybody's happy because money's coming in, right? Yep. So it's harvest time, everybody's excited. Well, when the first head of grain would appear, they would take that head of grain... And, and the, the farmer would run through the streets, waving it around. It's here! It's here! The crops are here! They're coming again! It's going to happen again! Praise God! And he would take it and take it to the priest, and the priest would wave it before the Lord as a thank offering. And that was the Feast of first fruits. The Feast of first fruits was, here is something that represents a whole crop that's coming. This is the first of that, and it's being given to the Lord, dedicated to the Lord. That was, that was a time of celebration, and that Feast of first fruits was representative. Here is something, and there's a lot more coming behind it. Okay, does that make sense? So, last night, because we were going to talk about this even before some of the things that I was looking into last night. So, the question is, are these feasts only for the Israelites? Because that's, that's really the big question. It's like, great, great for the Israelites. That's great. Great for Jews, 
right? That they get these fees. That's awesome. But are they for us? Does any of this have anything to do with us? Okay? Now, the quick answer, the easy answer, is Jesus. Okay? But even Jesus himself was a Jew. Born into the Israelite family, a Jew, a representative, a savior for all mankind, but still a Jew. And so if he was celebrating these feasts, would that be only because he was an Israelite, only because he was a Jew? Or is there a deeper meaning, is there a deeper picture here that God is wanting to reveal to all who would call on his name, to all who would follow him? I think so, and I think the Bible makes a very clear case for that. Go to Romans 5. I would propose that the Bible paints a picture of the principles of the feast taking effect way before anyone was ever called an Israelite or a Hebrew or a Shemite. Way before that. Now this is just a taste. This is just a taste. Romans 5.14. It says, Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, which is before the law, right? As did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. So the Bible makes this connection here of Adam to Jesus, right? So let's dig into that a little bit more. Let's go back and let's see what possible connections could there be between Adam and Jesus. Turn to Genesis 3. Mm, We're going to do a lot of looking through the Bible today. I hope that's okay. I could just give you guys opinions and analogies and like stories and... Y'all don't want to hear that. Bible's good enough. <coughs> Genesis 3, verse 8. Now you guys know the story. Adam and Eve were, were in the garden, right? Everything was perfect. They were both naked, felt no shame. Everything was good. Had perfect communion with God. The whole world was theirs, except to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? But the serpent came along, tempted, tempted them. They took a bite. And now they're in trouble. Verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? This gives the implication that God was searching for him. Okay? Keep that in mind. He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? That's like me and Caleb. We just made some uh, puppy chow. Came back with hands full of chocolate. Did you eat that puppy chow? Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. 
By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Let me read that to you again. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. I would propose to you that in this story, we have the first Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread, and Feast of first fruits. Okay? Here's the difference, though. You have Adam, and you have Jesus. So walk with me here, and we'll connect them. Actually, the Bible will connect them for us. Okay? So Adam... Actually, pause. So the Jews, let me tell you a little bit about a tradition that they do on the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So the Father, and we did this last year, the Father will take his children around with the mom right there beside him, and will walk around the house with flashlights. Now what the kids don't know is that they've hidden little pieces of leaven all around the house, right? And they'll walk around the house together, and all the lights are turned off, and they'll look, oh, we found one, don't touch it. And, and they grab it with a little tong, their little spoon, and they put it in a bowl, and then they burn it at the end of it. And they seek out the whole house. They look for any leaven, any, because that leaven is what? Sin, sin. right? We see that. So they're looking for that sin. They find that sin, and they grab it, right? And they take it, and they put it in a bowl, and they get it out of the house. It has nothing to do with this house, right? Get it out of here. Now, if you look at Adam and the situation that he found himself in, you picture God. Where are you? And he finds it. He finds the Adam right there. And there's sin. What has to be done for Adam and Eve to be covered? An animal has to be killed so that the skin can be taken and cover them up. Right? That Passover happens. That judgment, immediate judgment for sin. Death. Yeah. It's passed over. Why? Because there's a covering right there. That covering happens. However, there is still found to be that sin in Adam. So, once that, once that covering happens and that sin is still there, what does God have to do then with Adam and Eve who are still sin? Remove them. That's the unleavened bread. And then you have the first fruits. Adam and Eve come out of the garden as the first fruits of those who would die from sin. Because they were disconnected from God, because they had sin, these were the representation of all mankind that would follow behind them ready to die because of sin. They were of first fruits. You have the Passover with the lamb who... Or with, I look it up and, of course, what do you think? Most speculation on what kind of animal was killed for them to have covered. The lamb. But you take that first animal that was killed, Passover. Adam and Eve sought out, saw that they had sin, had to be removed. And then the first fruits, those who will come after us are like us. Right? This is the first... And this represents, who does Adam represent? All of mankind. All of mankind. You have here the first three feasts represented in Adam. Now over the next weeks, we're going to show how Pentecost happened to the whole world. 
And then the last, or the third week, we're going to show how the fall feast happened for the entire world. We won't give away too much stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, oh. He the whole message this morning. <laughs> so we won't. We won't. <laughs> so let's go forward about 4,000 years from Adam, approximately. Go to John 18. There's a few key verses. Because what I propose to you guys so far is still not something that is really widely talked about. And so I don't want you guys to think that you're taking my word. Well, that's, Nick, you may be reading a little bit too much into it. I mean, <clears throat> you know, does the Bible really say that? Okay. So let's let the Bible make the connections for us. Look at John 18, verse 28. So Jesus was crucified on what day? Anybody know? Passover. Passover. So Jesus was crucified on Passover. Verse 28. Then the, Jews, then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. Okay. So we know the Bible tells us, okay, yeah, it was Passover. Now let's look at verse 38, because we're going to start seeing how the Bible is making connections with Jesus being the Passover lamb. Verse 38. What is truth, Pilate asked. With this he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. Jesus was innocent. Jesus was the spotless lamb. It was admitted. Jesus was the spotless lamb. What crime did they actually kill him for? Claiming to be God. Was that wrong? No, he was. Okay? So, Jesus was the spotless lamb. And them killing Jesus on Passover could not paint a more obvious, clear, and evident picture for us. It was on Passover. There were literally the sounds of Passover lambs being sacrificed. Blood was running down the river. The river was red with blood on that day because Jesus was killed on Passover. Now, what happens immediately after that? The Feast of Unleavened Bread, right? Where they look and they see, is there any sin? Why couldn't Jesus be held in the ground? Why couldn't death hold him? Because he had no sin. Unlike Adam, he was searched out, found to have no sin, and was able to remain forever in a permanent dwelling that could never be changed. Jesus was brought back to life, and on the Feast of Firstfruits, Jesus marched around and showed himself as a firstfruits of those who would be raised from the dead. Man, can I get an amen? Come on. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 5. Because even now, even now, I don't want you to take my word for it. Paul makes this connection for us. Verse 6. Your boasting is not good. And I love this too. And these were bonuses. Because I originally went to this verse, 1 Corinthians 5, 7, because it says Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb. But it just so happened to talk about the other things that we were talking about today too. Verse 6. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little what? Yay. Works through the whole batch of dough. Get rid of the old yeast that you may be a new batch without yeast as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old yeast, the yeast of malice and wickedness, 
but with bread without yeast, the bread of sincerity and truth. Jesus is our Passover lamb. Turn to 1 Corinthians 15, just a few pages over. Verse 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Paul once again makes that connection for us. Christ is the first fruits. For since death came through a man, who's he talking about? Adam. Adam. The resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him, then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. Amen. So we see that Jesus clearly fulfilled the symbolism that Israel had practiced for over a thousand, for a thousand, uh, for thousands of years. But how can we be sure that Adam ties the connection to the whole human race? Right? Go back to Romans 5. I told you that we were looking at a teaser. Let's look at the whole thing. Verse 12. <clears throat> Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through... Well, actually, anybody have a subtitle there? Anybody? Uh, right above verse 12? Your Bible call it anything? Adam brings death, Christ uh, brings life. Uh, what? The applicability of righteousness. Adam brings death, Christ brings life. We'll go with that one. <laughs> Still a good Bible. Still good stuff. <laughs> Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men, because all sinned. For before the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift, hallelujah, followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. For justice through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. The law was added so the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through the righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah. Man, that is good stuff. Adam was a picture of Jesus, but Adam couldn't do it. Adam is a picture of man, and man can't do it. They needed a Savior. He needed someone who, when the leaven was looked for, would be found perfect. Why? So that ultimately, death could not just be undone, 
but defeated. Amen. And that's why Jesus came. That's how we see that these aren't just feasts for the Israelites or feasts for Jews. This is a picture of God's relationship with us as his creation. We get the picture from Adam. So then you're looking at Adam representing mankind. Through Israel, through Israel came our Savior, right? Jesus. And Israel means prince with God, right? So you have mankind, and then through the prince, uh, prince with God comes salvation for that man. Do you see the connection there between Israel and all mankind? Amen. Right? Jesus coming through represents the Savior that we've needed. Not just that the Jews needed, but that the entire world needed. And so now what we can get excited about is these paint a picture of what's to come. I want to read you a couple of things. You guys ever heard of a guy named Watchman Nee? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, we have. So these three feasts paint a picture of redemption for us. The first Adam turned from the Father in the Garden of Edom. The last Adam turned to the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane. The first Adam was naked and unashamed in the Garden. The last Adam was naked and bore our shame on the cross. The first Adam's sin brought us thorns. The last Adam wore a crown of thorns. The first Adam substituted himself for God. The last Adam was God substituting himself for us. Jesus was the second Adam, the last Adam. First, the flesh. That was Adam, the flesh. Then comes the spirit. When we're born, are we born spirit first or flesh first? Flesh is born first, right? Jesus clarifies this. You were first born of flesh, but you must also be born of the spirit. First comes the flesh, then comes the spirit. First came Adam, then came Jesus. We see this overwhelming connection, and our eyes should be like this as we're reading the scriptures and seeing, okay, there's something to that. So what is it? What is it that we're supposed to what is it that we're supposed to get? I say, look at this. You see in the first three feasts, the first one, what happens? There is a covering over of sin. When we come to God, do we have to get things right before we come to Him? No. You just go. You just go, right? As you are. You just go as you are, right? Do we have to come blameless, spotless to Jesus? No. No. We come to him the way that we are, just the way that we are, without worry, without fear, without condemnation. We come there and we receive that sacrifice. We receive that passing over because of the sacrifice. That's the first piece. The second piece, then we start the process of becoming righteous. We start the process of removing sin from our lives and becoming more and more like our Savior, becoming more and more like the one who created us. In fact, God says, be perfect as I am perfect. That's a pretty high standard, right? This is a process of redemption. We are all in process. We are all moving closer and closer to becoming like the one who made us. That's what Jesus does for us. That's what the Spirit does in convicting us of these things that don't belong on leavened bread. But then the first fruits, we then from that and out of that live as representatives of ones who have been changed by God. Amen? Amen? That's the feast of first fruits. So this is a picture of our own progress of salvation. Receiving the sacrifice, being covered, removing the sin, and stepping out as first fruits of those who have been changed by God. This is a picture of our salvation. 
So the question is, where are you stuck at? What feast are you stuck at? Are you stuck at being a representation out there? Being a representative of those who have been changed by God? Have you not really embraced that yet? Maybe, maybe you're okay with your sin. Maybe you're okay with the things that are inside you that aren't like Christ. Maybe that's okay. Maybe there's no flashlight happening. There's no searching happening. Right? Amen. Or maybe you haven't even received that sacrifice that's been made for you. Maybe you haven't even received the covering that's made available to you. Wherever it is, I can promise you that God wants to take you deeper. Wherever you're at. This picture of God's salvation, of God's redemption, not just for the Jews, but for all of mankind, is so clear and so obvious as we begin looking into it, and all the pieces begin to fit together. And this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you're doing. And we thank you for the groundwork that has been laid for us to know you. We thank you for all the things that you have put in place that are supposed to point us to you. The fact that you make your spirit available to us. The power that's in your spirit available to us. Lord, you are not desiring that we should slow down, that we should stop, that we should move backwards. You are only desiring that we should grow closer and closer with you. Lord, as we begin to understand the things of your word and these symbols that you've laid out, these foreshadowings, as we begin to understand that this book is so much more than a collection of stories and facts, but Lord, it is a picture of your love for us. God, I pray that you would give us understanding. Give us clarity. Lord, as we go throughout this week, may your word be what changes us. May we not have to be, uh, (laughs) may we not have to be brought to a place in our sin where we are so disgusted with it that we have to come running back to you, Lord. But may we live and pursue righteousness. May we pursue holiness and a deeper relationship with you. And let go of all the things that hinder us. Let go of all the things that slow us down, that drag us down. It's a completely different way to live. One is trying to avoid sin. One is trying to climb out of the pit constantly, over and over again. Lord, may we change our thinking. May we change our mindset, our attitude, to one of pursuing righteousness, pursuing a relationship with you, pursuing the good that we see that needs to be done, relationships with others that are uplifting and positive, sacrificing the things that we want, the desires of our flesh, to pursue what you have laid out for us. And not getting tired of doing that, but Lord, pursuing it even when we don't feel like it. Lord, I thank you that you did not just create this world and then step back and watch what happens. But Lord, you are actively involved in your creation, and you desire to have an intimate, close relationship with us. We are grateful, Lord. And we want to have that relationship with you. We want to go deeper. So Lord, I pray that as we 
go from here, Lord, that we would know we are loved, we would know we are valued, and that you took the time to prepare a plan to reveal yourself to us. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing. Thank you that we get to be a part of this. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You guys go blessed this morning after hearing this. Amen. Like it's good stuff. Um, you know, Nick and I cannot be more excited about what God is doing inside of this church. It is an honor to get to live life with each and every single one of you. Um, so now's the time. If you have kids, be sure and go and get them. I do want to highlight one thing on the board. We have some things that are available. If you know of anybody or you yourself need it, let us know because we're going to start actively giving those things away, clear the board off, and get some new stuff out there. So, um, Also, we are one of those churches that we do what the Word tells us to. Coming up in uh, November, we're planning to feed how many families? 100, 100 families. 100 families within the area. So we've gotten turkeys donated and food, so you'll hear more about that. Um, but just within this small group of people, we're going to take care of a lot of families for Thanksgiving. So we love y'all. Have a blessed week, and we'll see you next Sunday. Yeah. What you guys do? Yeah. We're going to click out that garage and put a refrigerator there so it can. Oh yeah. Food. Oh, that's good. Is this? What this? This is coming from Costco. We can't. Really. They sound like they're having so much fun. We padded the walls down there. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> Hello again. Hey, I'm back. She's back. Woo, I really missed her. Hey. I got now to live through your pictures. What is, what is your official last name? Zarek. Zarek. Yes. All right. Zarek. Yeah, this is big, guys. This is big. Nice to meet you. Pleasure to meet you. Hello. This is Kyle. 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 Nice to meet you. Kyle. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Yeah. I know somebody that's going to be a long, slow process before they start to Yeah, I 